Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. In this segment, we continue our cavalcade of authors named Matt by bringing in Matthew Blitner. This Matt was born and raised in Brooklyn, got a master's degree in sports management from Brooklyn College. Unlike our previous Matt, Matthew Blitner's sport is hockey. He's covered both the Rangers and the Islanders, I'm guessing mostly at the Barclays Center because it's in Brooklyn. Since the beginning of the 2016-2017 season, he covered the Rangers' 2016-17 playoff run against Montreal and Ottawa, the Rangers' road to the 2018 Winter Classic, as well as the game at Yankee Stadium. He's written for MSGNetworks.com, The Fischler Report, and New York Sports Day. Matt is here to chat with us about his new book, Unforgettable Rangers, Games and Moments from the Press Box. Welcome, Matt. Hi, thank you, AJ. Glad to be here. So can you tell us a bit about how you came to write Unforgettable Rangers? Well, I was working for the hockey maven, Stan Fischler, and anytime anyone works for the maven, a book can generally be assumed to be in your future at some point. So I was going through a couple of different book ideas when this one happened to fit, and thanks to the connections that I've made at MSG Networks and especially at the Garden during Ranger games, it just seemed like a perfect fit for this topic, especially since we normally hear only from the players, from their views of memorable games. So it was a nice touch to change it up and give it to the broadcasters and the writers. So the book has some of the writers and broadcasters recall their favorite Ranger games and Ranger moments. And, and a number of them, in particular Howie Rose, Sam Rosen, John Giannone, all talk about the seventh game of the 1994 semifinal against the Devils. That was the Matteau, Matteau, Matteau game. So what yeah. was different about their perspectives on the game and how they remembered it? So one thing you have to remember is that each of them had a different role that they were uh, doing at that game. Sam Rosen was calling the game on TV along with John Davidson for MSG Network. And Howie Rose was actually calling the game on radio with Sal Messina. And one of the things at the time, as a garden before it was renovated, was that the radio and TV booths, unlike today, are not, were not next to each other. TV booth was on one side of the rink where the radio was down much lower in the garden. And so Howie and Sal had a much better vantage point of the game, especially of Matto's goal. And as for John Giannone, he was in the press box, well, they called it the portal box, a lot lower down as well above where the Zamboni entrance now is as a young writer for the Daily News. So he was paying attention to not just the action, but as well as the fans and stands and his fellow writers' reactions. So everyone had a lot of a different vantage points, which even though they're all talking about the same game, they all remember things quite differently. So of the 12 press box denizens that you interviewed for the book or you write about in the book, almost all of them, or the overwhelming majority, spoke about games during that 1994 Stanley Cup run. Uh, I mean, Don, Joe Micheletti and Don LaGreca chose newer games from 2014, I think. Were you surprised about this, and how surprised were you that Stan Fischler, who was around the Rangers for decades, also chose the last two games of that Rangers-Devil series? Well, it really surprised me, actually, that at the Maven shows 
games from Maxer, especially since he was covering it for a sports channel at the time on the devil side of things. He wasn't actually covering those games for a Rangers network. He was doing them for the Devils. So he brought a bit of a different, more unique uh, look at it because, again, he's looking at it for the Devils thing. So where the Rangers were jubilant over winning the game in the series, the Devils were more heartbroken than anything else. And, of course, a lot of the Devils also felt that they, you know, they let the series slip away from them because they were up 3-2, they had game six at home, they had a chance, they were up 2 nothing, and then Messier goes on to have his hat-trick, and, of course, they go to game seven at the Garden, and Matto ends up winning it in double overtime. So for him, it was a lot different of a vantage point than any of his fellow colleagues at that time. And for everyone else who spoke about 1994, even though it's been 25 years, it's still arguably the most memorable season in the last, forget 25 years, but more 50 or 75 years even for Rangers fans, Rangers broadcasters, and the franchise itself. Matthew, this is Ryan Sherman. So a team that has a history like almost coming up on 100 years, you have to pick through some of their most memorable moments, and we know that you know the cup runs are, are going to stand out. But give us your deep dive and something that you learned that maybe you got a different perspective on and may have not even known about before even writing the book that you could share with us. So, Ryan, one of the things that happened with the book was that I let each person choose their own most memorable moment instead of necessarily going back to, let's say, the 50s or the mm-hmm. 60s, uh, especially since most of the current writers and broadcasters weren't covering the team in those decades. So a lot of the moments were in capture in the last 25, 26 years, roughly. But one thing that I learned that, I mean, a lot of people probably had heard about back then but probably forgot about it, was that Stefan Masso was late to Game Seven's double overtime period because he was getting his skate released. So he was still in the locker room when the second overtime started, and when he came out to finally join the players, he actually went over and touched the Prince of Wales trophy for good luck, which as Ooh. a student of the game, you know, you don't touch that trophy. No. Most teams don't even touch it when they win it, but he touched it before they had even finished the game. And a lot of people that I've spoken to have since said that, there's a good chance they would have stopped him from doing so if they would have seen him do so. Thankfully, they didn't because some sort of good luck must have befallen him because he went on to score the goal a few minutes later. But you can only imagine what the story would have been had they not won it. You know, one of the more unusual perspectives came from Rick Carpinello, who covered the Rangers for the Gannett, Westchester, and Rockland papers, eventually consulting to one now called the Journal News. And his perspective has to do not with what happened at the game, but the setup at the practice before it in Rye. And I was sort of amazed. He also talked about, you know, things that were said off the record. So can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, so he, Rick Carpinello informed me that during the middle of that series, there was a lot of injury controversy. There was a lot of controversy over playing time, who was getting benched, who was getting pulled from the game, who wasn't. I uh, believe Mike Keenan did not pull Glenn Healy at one point during one of the games for an extra attacker because, as Rick Carpinello said, it almost appeared as if Keenan had given up. But Keenan then called in the fifth beat riders, which is notable because during the playoffs you have hundreds of riders covering the team and covering the series. 
So Keenan essentially left out 99% of the media and left them out in the polls and only called the six beat writers into his office through PR executive Barry Watkins. And Keenan, who was there only one year, told them, well, listen, I'm going off the record. And it was the first time he'd done that all year and would be the only time that he did it well with the Rangers. And Keenan went on to explain to them about how Leach's shoulder was injured and Messier was dealing with it and Graves' back was hurting and Matto was hurt and just an injury avalanche. But then when the official game notes came out the next night, no injuries were listed. So it was something that very few people had that information to, and now it's so great that Rick was able to divulge that to us because it adds another interesting chapter to that whole saga and that whole search. Well, what I found interesting about that, well, the two things, one is talking about something that happened off the record and violating that, you know, <laughs> that, that no-no. But, but the other thing is if you step back and look at it and say, you know, why did Mike Keenan, for the first time in the season, the only time in the season, talk to the writers off the record, and you wonder, were they really injured? Is he trying to plant in the back of their heads some sort of an excuse for why they may not be winning the series, when they might not win the series? Well, it's certainly an interesting theory in that regard. Uh, my own personal take of it is that Keenan knew that his moves were being questioned, especially, again, not pulling Glenn Healy for an extra attacker, for benching Richter and Leach and Messier and just his eccentric uh, coaching style. In fact, in the book, Tarpanel refers to Keenan saying that his middle name should have been Chaos. So it's really unknown at this point why he chose to do it, but I would think it has to do something with the fact that he was coming under such scrutiny for it that he finally said, you know what, let me at least tell the beat writers this, since they're the ones who always have the inside information, and then I'll deal with any potential fallout later on. Now, they all kept their word, according to Rick, and didn't write anything about it. They all just inferred that there might be something wrong with this player, or there might be something wrong with that player. But they didn't actually go and divulge any of the information until Rick finally told me for this book. See, I would have called that spin on Keenan's part. So <laughs> there, there are two parts. There's the favorite game and your favorite moment. And as we talk about Stan Fischel picking the 94 season as the games, his moment actually went back to 1954 and 55 when he was working as the Rangers' publicity department. And his Maple Leafs fan, his favorite Maple Leaf player, was a guy named Wild Bill Ezenicki. So can you tell us a little bit about Stan Fischel's favorite Ranger moment with Wild Bill Ezenicki? Right. So Wild Bill Ezenicki was a defenseman. He was on a minor league contract at the time when he came to the Rangers, and the Rangers happened to call him up. And just so happened that Rocket Rashad was in town to play against the Rangers. And Stan Fisher, who loved Ezenicki so much for his style of play, had gone and spoken to a couple of the writers and told them a couple of things to look out for in regards to Ezenicki for future slogans or things for them to write. And at a point during the game, Ezenicki squared up, or at least thought he had Rashad squared up, where he would have, in Fisher's words, it would have been the body check that would have killed the rocket because that's how he would have hit him but Rashad seeing it out of the corner of his eye managed to just avoid it and avoid potentially what would have been one of the biggest collisions and probably one of the most talked about collisions 
in NHL history at that point. So part of the book, you have your 12 featured journalists, and you follow those up with additional comments. Uh, Mike Richter in a number of cases, but often press box types such as Al Troutwick and Larry Brooks. What do you feel they add to the commentaries and to the whole body of the book? Well, one thing you have to remember is that when someone's telling you a story, it's inevitable by human nature that there's going to be certain details or aspects of the story that they're going to leave out because everyone pays attention to things differently, especially when people are calling play-by-play on TV or radio. They're paying attention to, yes, the action of the game, but only the memorable things are really going to stand out to them later on, five, ten years later, or 20 years later. So a lot of the writers or the other people involved in the game might have had a different focus at that time, which then brings the entire story to light, because there's no one person who's going to give you every single detail. So for guys like Larry Brooks or Al Troutwig or Mike Richter, Al Troutwig was an analyst for MSG. Larry Brooks was writing for the New York Post. Richter was playing in those 94 games. So they helped bring out the full stories of 94 because guys like Rosen and Howie Rose and John Giannone, while they did tell their own great stories, there are still parts missing, and it enhances the overall quality of the story. So, Matt, Mm -hmm. what was the big... First, before we let you go, what was your biggest surprise in reporting this book? Ah, that's a tough one. Uh, My biggest surprise would probably have to be Don Lagreca picking a game in which the Rangers lost, actually. He chose game one of the 2014 Stanley Cup final against the Kings. And even though the Rangers went up... a 2-0 lead, yes. Yeah, even though they had a lead, they ended up losing the game. So to me, I wondered a little bit why that would be a Ranger broadcaster's most memorable all-gamer moment, because a loss generally wouldn't seem all that memorable. But for Don, it was a matter of calling a Stanley Cup final and just getting a chance to be there and to be a part of the entire experience. And that's why it stood out so much to him. So, Matt, where can people get the book and how can they catch up with you? So you can go to Amazon.com and type in Unforgettable Rangers, Games and Moments from the Press Box. Or you can type in my name in Amazon, Matthew Blitner, and you can buy the book there. You're welcome to interact with me on Twitter. My social media handle is at Matthew Blitner. You can interact on the fan Facebook page, or you can interact with me on LinkedIn. Uh, either way, I will be more than happy to address any fan comments, inquiries about the book. Okay, thank you very much. Matthew Blitner, author of the book Unforgettable Rangers, Games and Moments from the Press Box.